everyone. Thank you for listening to The Founders Peak, a podcast where we bring you exceptional startup founders from around the world who each share their inspiration and a bag full of usable insights from their entrepreneurial journeys. So if you're an aspiring founder or busy fundraising or nearing a successful exit or even feel like you might go down fighting, there's something useful in here for you. Most talks are hosted and recorded live with audiences at the Founders Peak stage at the world's largest fintech event, the Singapore Fintech Festival. My name is Naveen Suri. And I'm Sagari White. And we are the hosts of the Founders Peak podcast. I'm a former banker turned entrepreneur. And like all entrepreneurs, I have more than a few battle scars on my back. All of which, by the way, I'm very proud of. I'm a content strategist by profession and had the pleasure of co-hosting these remarkable founders together with Naveen at the Singapore Fintech Festival in November 2022. Our speaker today is extremely special. Mac Rutherford from Belgium, who at just 17 years old has reached a peak no human ever has. Mac is the world's youngest person to circumnavigate the globe solo in a microlight aircraft and is a two-time Guinness World Record holder. In his talk, Mac shares moments from his incredible 54,000-kilometer journey, flying to over 30 countries across four continents in 142 days. Let's hear from Mac what determination and raw courage is all about. Hello, everybody. I'm very happy to be here today at FinTech 2022. Um, so my name is Mac Rutherford. I'm 17 years old. Um, at the, the, on the 24th of August this year, I became the youngest person to fly solo around the world. But that is not where my journey. <laughs> but that is not where my journey started. I've been flying my entire life, but at the age of seven, I for the first time held the controls of an aircraft. The initial fear I felt quickly subsided, and what was, what was left was a sense of wonder for the skies. This wonder continued. And by the age of 11, I started flying more and more often with my parents, with my passion for aviation growing. At the age of 14, I started studying in between lessons for my pilot's license. And at the age of 15, I became the world's youngest pilot. Thank you very much. This, however, did not quench my thirst for aviation. And by the age of 16, as my sister Zara Rutherford was ending her journey to become the youngest woman to fly solo around the world, I decided that I too wanted to fly around the world. For this, though, I needed to prepare. So for this, I had to do, find a sponsor. I needed to find a route. I needed to find an airplane. But also, I needed to prepare myself for such a big challenge. For this, I did two crossings of the Atlantic Ocean with my dad, which allowed me to cement my aviation knowledge as well as prepare myself mentally for the unexpected. Then, six months later, after having made that fateful decision, I set off on my world, on a, my world record attempt from Sofia, Bulgaria. But today, I don't want to talk to you about a single journey. Today, I want to talk to you about a tale of two journeys, a physical and a mental journey. As I was flying through, my physical journey was the actual aviation experience. It's the flying through valleys, flying over mountains, crossing through deserts, and flying over rivers. But my mental journey is one we can all relate to. It's the ability to push through when it's difficult, to go through the ups and the downs, to have a goal and try and achieve it. And so I'm trying to show that you should all follow this goal and keep going. 
And then finally, there was a, a sense of a leap of faith. When I left on the 23rd of March, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to finish my journey, but I knew that this was my dream and I wanted it to come true. And I was going to do what it took to make it happen. And that I was prepared to fail to strive for success. A question I'm often asked is how I did my navigation and my communication. And actually, very simply, quite a lot of it was done with my phone. With my phone, I was always able to know where I was, and I was always able to communicate via satellite, linking it to Iridium Go, to my ops team, which allowed them to constantly give me aviation, which allowed them to give me flight information as I was flying, and also allowed me to help, help me along in terms of weather and other such things. From the depths of the Sahara Desert to the ice caps of Greenland, I was faced with challenges I could never have expected, but my greatest challenge came from the crossing of the Pacific Ocean. 2,600 kilometers of open ocean in a single-engine, single-seat microlite, smaller than the average car. This was going to be my greatest challenge. And today, I want to focus on this flight. I was four months into my journey, having crossed through some of the most difficult terrain on Earth, including the Sahara Desert, the war zones of South Sudan and Myanmar, as well as the monsoon season of India. But here in Kashiro, northern Japan, I would, have to, I would face the greatest challenge of my journey, if not my life. Here in Kashiro, I would have to try and cross the Pacific Ocean, flying a 10-hour flight to ADAC in the US. When I went to bed that night on the 29th of July, I was extremely stressed. And the preparation I had made for this flight did not help me at all. In fact, it did the opposite. What I realized after looking at the weather is that I would only be able to leave on the 30th of July. And if I didn't leave by then, there was a high chance of me not being able to succeed on my journey around the world. This was because as time was getting on, the days were getting shorter and shorter, and the weather was bad for as long as it, as it could be forecast. And by the time I would finish my 10-hour flight, it was likely to already be nighttime in ADAC, and, and I'm not able to fly at nighttime in my tiny aircraft. Therefore, I had to take this chance if I wanted to make my dream come true. Next, uh, next day, I wake up and I look outside, and I see a pilot's nightmare unfold in front of me. Fog. As long as the fog remains, I will not be able to fly. And so, but all I can do for the moment is wait. Four o'clock in the morning, fog. Five o'clock in the morning, fog. Six o'clock in the morning, fog. Seven o'clock in the morning, finally, an hour before my planned departure, the fog lifts and I'm able to see the blue skies above. But this is only the start of the day. I then get to the airport and prepare my plane, adding, extra fuel into the, adding fuel into the extra fuel tanks I had added previously in South Korea, specifically for this flight, and all the luggage on top. I am now much heavier than I've ever been before. But knowing that if I stay calm, concentrate, and make sure that everything else is okay, I will be able to, take, to fly at this weight. Then, but the biggest challenge I will face throughout this entire flight is to do with daylight and fuel. On this 10-hour flight, I have to try and prioritize whether I want to save 
as much fuel as possible, or daylight. By the time I get to the US, it'll be, it'll be very late, and I need to make sure that it's not nighttime. So we calculated that to do this, I need to take off before 8.20 in the morning. But the airport only opens at 8 o'clock in the morning. So I have a 20-minute gap in which I have to take off, or else my journey might be scrapped. At 7.45 in the morning, I taxi to the runway and wait. At 8.02, I go full throttle and power down the runway. My airplane struggles into the air, and soon uh, the, the ground beneath me is replaced by the ocean as I go out into the distance. To begin with, I have quite a nice tailwind, which brings me along nicely. But as time passes, this is soon replaced by a headwind, which becomes stronger and stronger. Headwinds are a big problem in aviation, as it means I'm flying slower at the same fuel, at the same fuel use, usage. This means that not only will I get to my destination later, I'll also use more fuel doing it. Over time, at six hours ahead, I'm looking at it, and it's seeming like I'm not be able to get to ADAC in time for, for daytime. I only have one choice I can do, an emergency landing. I decide that the airstrip I will land at is Atu Island, but this will not be simple. Not only is Atu Island still four hours away, it is also an uninhabited island in the middle of the North Pacific. It is the last island of the Aleutian chain and prone to very bad and unpredictable weather. But it is my best option. I continue going, and the headwinds are getting stronger and stronger. And then finally, but then, at eight hours in, having consulted with my ops team over satellite, I suddenly realize I might not even be able to make it to Atu Island in time for night. Here is where there's a clear shift in my priorities. I suddenly decide that instead of trying to preserve my fuel, I must now go full power to get to the Atu before nighttime. This is a race against the clock. Clouds are getting lower at the same time, pushing me down to 1,000 feet over the ocean. But then finally, nine and a half hours later, in the distance, I can see the outline of Atu. I go along its shores, but it's getting darker and darker as the mountains and clouds cover the light. Then I have to prepare for the most difficult landing of my life. I have to try and land on a small mountainous island in the middle of the North Pacific when it is dark, raining, and the low clouds, and there are no runway lights. Then, finally, I touch down three minutes before nighttime. As I look around on this uninhabited island, I see a small shed on the side of the runway in which I decide to stay that night. The small shed doesn't even have a door, and it has a small broken-down sofa in which, I stay for, in which I sleep on that night. I have nothing to eat except a couple of protein bars and a few fuel-soaked Oreos, which is as horrible as it sounds. I, as I was tired, stressed, hungry, cold, but I felt ecstatic because I had just completed one of the greatest challenges of my life, if not the greatest. I had taken that step to bring me towards making my dreams come true, and I hope that all of you will too, do too. I took a leap of faith when I left on the 23rd of March to try and do what I really wanted to do in life. Actually, when I left on the 23rd of March, not a, it wasn't improbable for, 
that I was going to succeed. It was, in fact, an impossibility. When I left on the 23rd of March, I was unable to fly through Russian airspace as I was flying a French-registered aircraft. But also, I wasn't allowed to fly through Japanese airspace as I'm flying a, a type of aircraft not allowed in Japanese airspace, which has never been allowed inside Japanese airspace. I therefore had no possible way of crossing the Pacific Ocean. But this was my dream, and I was going to find a way through. I was going to go for it. So I get, went on, I traveled halfway around the world before there was even a solution to me actually being able to complete this flight, complete my journey around the world. But then, finally, in Thailand, a Japanese exemption comes through, allowing me to fly for the first time in Japanese history to fly through Japanese airspace. I'm extremely grateful of this moment, as it took a lot of effort from the people involved. And so, what the, my message to you all is to take that leap of faith in whichever area it is, whether it's baking or carpet making or whatever it may be, you take that first step towards making your dreams come true, that you take that step towards doing what you really want to do in life, even if the stars don't align just yet, you will be able to find a solution to the problems and you will be able to make your dreams come true. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mac, for showcasing the best of human endurance. Now, if you'd like to watch Mac's talk at the Founders Peak, simply visit Singapore Fintech Festival on YouTube. You're listening to the Founders Peak podcast, where exceptional startup founders share untold stories from their journeys. We have lots more coming up for you next, so do stay with us.